This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. At the beginning of worship, I was drawn to this scripture, Acts 4.12. Now, nor is there salvation in any other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I love that. I love that even in the atmosphere of our worship tonight. Um, The heart of the Father, if we can understand this is the way the Father comes to us. His heartbeat is, I must. I must go to them. I must save them. I must comfort them. I must heal them. I must. It's, It's because of who he is and because of what he is and he comes to our atmosphere every Wednesday, and so I love, I love starting tonight with this verse and that he said it at the beginning of our worship time. He must be among us, his desire. If we can understand the emphatic um, heartbeat of a parent, and if you're not yet a parent, you know, you have a parent, God. And so he can, he can translate for us. But if you are a parent, then you know that sensing that you must care for your children. You must give them what they need. Um, you must bring their desires about. And so I, I want to go tonight, um, just even everything I say tonight, take it with that, that heartbeat, that God's heart from before the foundation of the world was a love toward mankind that I must save what needs to be saved. He knew what would happen. He knew the whole plan. I mean, he has within himself a vision of creation, the beautiful world he would make for us, the, um, the way he would make us, the way he would build us meticulously and intricately to carry his presence. And then how he would love us into grasping that and wanting that and looking beyond all the things that he knew would transpire on the earth and all the things that he knew would tempt us. He still said, no, I'm I'm choosing because I must save them. So I'm going to make my plan in such a way that nothing they can do can change my desire for them. Guys, this is extreme. This is almost like when you try to meditate things like this, it's difficult because that's a love that is so deep and so vast and so non-understandable, and yet it communicates and translates into us. So everything I say tonight, just take it with that heartbeat of the Father that he, even if you think, I don't even know what she's talking about, he already knows that, that you don't know what I'm talking about, or maybe that you don't care about what I'm talking about. I mean, you know, it's been a long day. It might have been a long week. It might have been a long year. It might have been a long decade. Seriously, we are human. We've had experiences. And the enemy would love to remind us of the experiences that have made the love of the Father look non-existent or look questionable. So I'm going back to the question. Remember my question? Before Kevin ministered last week, I shared, I think I did it before. I don't know. Did I do it before? I did it at some point. Um, How far is too far? (laughs) 
you can take that question in so many ways. Like if you're a real freak and you've acted really naughty and um, you can say, okay, like how far is too far that God will be like, okay, I'm so done with you, Kathy. Or you can, you can be like, okay, I'm on hot pursuit of my freedom, my own freedom in Christ. I've got this thing inside me and it's not like against anybody, but it's, it's this, I don't even know, I don't know if you'd call it a defense or a default or a something that like, I just feel like God keeps egging me on. Don't let anyone deter you from the liberty Christ paid a real high price to give you. You know, and, and sometimes that can make you be naughty. No, seriously, it can. Because in your humanity, you think, okay, how can I defend this position? You know, and you, and you ball, like, see what I just did? How can I defend this position? But the only way to defend the position is just, okay, live in the love of God so that the same spirit that does naughty doesn't make you take the truth and act naughty towards other humans. So how far is too far? This can be, and I'm going to clarify this, what I just said, in case you're thinking, what did she say? This can be an encouragement to push the unreasonable limits that bind us spiritually, or it can be a warning to respect the boundaries that protect us. Which, when God spoke this question to me or asked me this question at the beach, I was just thinking of kicking down walls and boundaries. I I was like, okay, I've always been somebody, and my spiritual dad always said this, you fly at the outside fence. You know, like I'm not one of those kids that plays up close to the house. I mean, I'm, and that's been good sometimes, and that's been not good sometimes. So initially when God asked me this question when I was sitting at the beach, I was like, oh, yeah, let's talk about how far is too far, Jesus, because right now i got some things I want to go past. Anybody else? I mean, like, hello, we can laugh, we can joke. You know, I mean, we don't have to be so, I mean, we are spiritual. Even when we're laughing, we're spiritual. Even when we're talking about our naughty or our nice or whatever. Jesus is in this room. He's ministered to us through worship. So it's okay to think, oh, ouch, or (laughs) isn't that funny? I mean, I do nervous laughs sometimes. Like, oh, you know, they're getting too close to the bone. So let me just laugh a little bit. Um, And I think I shared this last week, but I want to say it again. Because God is filling us. And there is a wind, there is a wind that's messing with the planet in a good way. There is a wind. But some of the wind feels very stormy. Because there's a lot of people that don't know the wind yet. And so if they think there's chaos on the planet, they're just putting up stronger resistance. And then we go out filled with spirit and we're wanting to share and ain't nobody want what we have. But some of it is because, are we possibly trained to color within the lines and only within the lines? There are lines within Christianity that are not actually of Christ. So technically they're not in Christianity, but church people put them there. Now, we've got to be honest. We have to, learn, we have to be self-aware as the church and the earth. I mean, here's a big clue. This was my big clue. If as a Christian, spirit-filled, lover of Jesus, crazy Jesus freak, there are things that make me crazy in our church ways, how do you think they make unsaved people feel? I mean, hello, guys. I mean, 
But there are safe ways, healthy ways, and Christ-ish ways to handle this. So there's lines within Christianity that are not actually of Christ, but are more part of, please don't, when I say things like I'm about to say, please don't think that I'm against the church embodiment. I'm way for it, which is why God gives me the nerve to say these things. Because sometimes the church needs to get born again. Again. And I remember years ago, it was probably at least 15 years ago, I was like, Jesus, what is up with us in the church? And I felt like he said, most of the church has not been fully evangelized. And I, I, I was like trying to understand that. And he was like, you will never grasp that at this moment. Just let me show you what I'm talking about. And some of it is that this, this word proclaims the goodness of God, not rules and laws. But if we personally take this book as a rule book, as opposed to a liberation document, then that's what we indoctrinate with. Are you all with me? So it's time for us to really be self-aware. So there are parts of the church, doctrine and behavior. They bind us and can actually deny the power of God. Look with me at 2 Timothy 3.5. I'm going to give a script. I'm going to give a couple of scriptures so you don't think that everything I'm saying is, you know, just what Kathy thinks. Because it's not about what I think. It's about, and this is what I encourage you all in, in, on Sundays, when you study the word alone, when you come on Wednesdays, let Jesus show you how to live the word. I mean, that's the only way we're going to live it to the fullest is if Jesus teaches us the doctrines Christ wants inside of us. Right? And he, he didn't make a bunch of clones. Um, where did I say? 2 Timothy 3, 5. Let me find it. Um, let me start at 2. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. Well, it's a lot of dis stuff in it. Slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers, of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. From such, turn away. Okay, be prepared to hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. That doesn't mean turn away from people and not love people, but that does mean don't let people influence you that preach good biblical theology, but they don't live it. Because here's the bottom line. It's, it's often not that those people are wicked and want to be ugly and legalistic. They do not know how they're loved by God. And if you have not received the love of God and let that kind of melt all the kooky in you, then you're going to use this word in a wicked way, in a natural way, in a human way. You see, we can, we can learn doctrine and never be touched by it. And honestly, when we learn it just us, rather than Christ himself teaching it to us by his Holy Spirit, you can literally use it to kill people. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. Seriously, you know, I'm... I'm saying, Jesus, I want to be aware of what you're doing inside of me. I want, I want to be so aware of even <clears throat> how you love me, 
how you've accepted me. And sometimes it causes me, not in an icky way to look at my past, but to look at my past and say, how I used many years of my life, and yet I have the privilege to minister the word of God, to, to speak to people about truth. But that's why I'm going to be transparent, because that shows the salvation of Jesus, that he said, I'm not deterred by who you've been or what you've done. And how can we go to a world and bring a message if we don't realize that he forgave me? I mean, whew, I've been forgiven of much. One time, and this was, this was so powerful. One time, um, Pastor Joan and I, in the um, training center when it was you know, like a tuition-based school, we taught the spirit, soul, and body class. And we were explaining one night um, about, you know, the, the trichotomy that we are and such. And um, we were talking about, I got into my testimony a little bit um, about the ditch I fell into, even though I was born again as a child. And, and just so that you know, God does not take back the gift of salvation. I was born again as a child. I came to Christ as a child. I did not stay safely tucked in his guidance. However, he never left me. So, um, so I'm, t- I'm sharing about this and how gracious he is and how loving he is. And it was so cool because Pastor Joan picked up on it and she said, I never lived. And I thought, where is she going when she first said that? She said, I never lived like Kath lived. However, I staked my righteousness on myself that I had never lived like Kathy lived. So she said, I was just as crazy in the opposite ditch. I thought self-righteousness had saved me. You see, this is so important because if you can't, can't do anything to stop God from coming and totally accepting you to himself, filling you with his life, you can't do anything to lose it. But if we're going to receive that truth ourselves, shouldn't we give it? Shouldn't we begin to build friendships with people that much of the church says, you better separate yourself? Really, how are they going to come to know Jesus if Jesus walks away from them? Because right now, the only physical body he has that will speak and look people in the eyes is us. Let's go to Philippians 2. Another scripture. How about that? The pa- yeah, I'm going to bring it. No, I'm going to bring it. Because you know why? This, this, the scriptures, when we really delve into them, when we ponder them, when we take time, and it doesn't mean that when you go to the scriptures, you're going to instantly understand something. But because God's intention was that we would commune with him in truth, then he says, come to me. And when we come to him with biblical truth, with Bible verses, and we spend time there, just catch the picture I'm trying to to paint, okay? Something magic happens, something that there's no way you can do it yourself by being a disciplined student of the word. But when you are intentional to go to him in the truth and say, I may not understand what I'm reading right now, Jesus, but I am communing with you, with God, and by the Spirit, something will happen inside of me. God begins to touch in ways, to change in ways, to open the eyes of your understanding, to um, change your brain, change even things when you let it happen in your mind, things will literally begin to, uh, 
please hear me. God is a miraculous God. And when he saves, he brings things to life because he is resurrection. So when we go those places and we allow him to truly own our mind and fill our minds, that change is going to ultimately hit at a cellular level. I got a nurse right here that just agreed with me. Even in the medical field, doctors want someone with a positive attitude, right? A true positive attitude is a gift from God that mankind has the privilege to have. Mankind is built to... um, Please hear me, because we've got to take some of these words back. There are people that have said to me, God's bigger than optimism. Really? I think God is optimism. God will give me an optimistic attitude. He will lift my sights to believe that things can be better tomorrow than they are today. Please, there's only two kingdoms, light and dark. The devil didn't give you that. I just want you to know, he's not going to lift your sights. He's not going to give you a healthier, happier attitude. So it's time to to realize that every good and perfect gift does come down from God the Father. And it's time for the church to take back some of these gifts and and quit saying, you know, psychology is a bunch of crud. Uh, No, that's what renewal of the mind is. Now, if you do it without the enlightenment of Christ, then you're kind of using it without, you know, your journeyman papers. Are you with me? We got to let God show us, okay, our psyche is important. So God, how how do I receive? If if you're under care, don't feel ashamed. Just say, okay, God, I'm going to couple you with insights I'm being given. And I wasn't intending to go there, but I'm going to go there because when doors open for us to understand that this book is about opening mankind up so that he's unafraid and unashamed, it is imperative that we are unafraid and unashamed. That we don't think small of who we are. God chose to create a being that was so brilliant and so capable that he could fill us with himself. So that he could be, catch this, visible. (laughs) Visible. You give a visible expression of God that no one else can give. You see things and have stories and ways to illustrate that nobody else can do. Which means there are people you can reach that nobody else can reach. This is key stuff. How far is too far, guys? How far are you willing to go to be completely unlocked and set free by Jesus Christ? How far are you prepared to put aside hurts? Are you prepared to put aside negativity that you've had toward the body of Christ, the church? Are you prepared to love the church and say, I'm a part of it? I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not mad. I'm not cynical. Are you prepared? Because that's what's important right now. Because there is only one government on this planet, and it isn't in D.C. Seriously, but you better watch how your mind views that. Because sometimes the wind blows, and it looks like they're in power. And the body of Christ actually agrees with that. Agrees with the devil. There are some things that I hear some Christians say, and I think I can actually picture the devil saying, amen. Amen. I agree with that. There may be things you say about yourself, and he says, yeah, amen. Sickness, disease, yeah, you deserve it, because you know how you lived. Do you all hear my heart? 
Because honestly, our militancy can't just be ferocious like those that have no Christ. Love is the most militant force on the planet. Love is the most militant force. And love is the only thing that the Bible says never fails. So I think we have some things to learn with God, don't we? So Philippians, I didn't even get there yet. (laughs) Bear with me. Philippians chapter 2. This is so good. Let scripture like wreck your brain. You know, I love when scripture, like I read, I read something or God says something to me. I'm like, hmm. You know, like, you know, those thoughts you have when you think, I don't know if I agree with that. But you don't say it out loud. You just think it like, I don't know. That's pretty extreme. So Philippians 2, um, verse 5. Whew. Let this mind, you could say mindset, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. I'm going to stop there. Let, let this mindset be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Mindsets get in us every day. There are people that are so scared of brainwashing. That was God's idea. The devil just stole it. Because he watches and he sees what influences. And he sees where he can actually begin to agree with some people. Because he's like, hmm, that feels good. If it feels good to the devil, it's not good to God. And then he agrees with us. You see, he does have spiritual power. When you don't know God, it's just his power is not more powerful than God in us. Um, I want to read the Passion Translation. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. See, sometimes we can get so cocky that we want to say, oh, well, we're, we're filled with God and we're the God image in the earth. And that's not untrue. But if that's our supreme um, aim that people would recognize were of God. I mean, that's just the church wanting to be seen as the saving grace in the earth. We are not the saving grace. God is. His message to individual hearts is. Y'all with me? So how do we let this mindset be in us? That's part of what so is about. Go to the scriptures. Go to what God's saying to you. Go to what you hear on Sundays. I encourage you, wherever you're getting the word, if you're listening to podcasts, whatever, take notes. If something strikes you, like some things when I'm listening to Pastor Gavin or one of the other faculty here or in something at home literally arrests me. Like all of a sudden, I'm just like, I got to put that on pause because that thought struck me. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to go back and I'm going to be like, why'd that strike me, Jesus? And sometimes I don't hear him say, oh, well, da 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 Because you know why? Sometimes he needs to teach me something else so that I can know why that struck me. 
One time I had this, this thing, you know, that I was wanting to learn about, and I asked God a question about it. And I didn't get an answer, didn't get an answer, and I got impatient. I was like, why aren't you answering my question? Nothing. I didn't hear nothing. And two years later, two years later, I'm driving along in the car, coming home from work, and all of a sudden, cha-ching. I'm like, that's the question I asked you two years ago. Why? Why'd you wait? What, why'd you wait to tell me? He said, you had so much to learn before I could even tell you what it was about. And I just laughed because I thought, how gracious is he that I ask a question and he'll literally take however long he needs to teach me a nest that that answer can rest in. Come on, guys. We got to get so thankful for how God cares for us. You see, we do it with our own kids. We may do it with people that we have the privilege to lead. We've got to get patient and just let things unfold. Let the life of God unfold in ourselves. Let it lie, the life unfold in other people. I'm just, am I doing something to mess that up, Jay? Just swinging my arms a lot. <laughs> I mean, I feel like way buzzed. I'm not kidding. Because God is calling out to us saying, I want to free you. And when I free you, hundreds of people will go free. But don't look for the hundreds. Just build relationship. Just have friends. Go into people groups and have the nerve to have friends with people that some people in church will tell you, you better watch out for that person. Now, there may be some places, you know, if you're a recovered alcoholic, you might not want to hang out in bars. But that doesn't mean you can't ever go near someone that drinks. I mean, you got to have wisdom, but then where do we get that? God. I mean, we have to start leaning into the simplicity of, does it seem good to me and the Holy Ghost? And so if I don't, I, I'm at the place now where I'm going to run because God gave me the license to run. I, I, I can, there's no speed limit in the kingdom. I can run. And if he doesn't stop me in my tracks and say, okay, like you're freaking out, you just slow down. Then I'll slow down. But if he doesn't say anything, why would I stop? Paranoid all the time, stopping and saying, well, let me check my pulse. Oh, am I, am I, am I, is this too far, Jesus? Have I gone too far? If it's too far, he's going to, he's going to scream out. I've heard him whisper to me, shh, shh, because I'm a mouth. You know, I got a lot of words. I've heard him say, shh. And I've also been running so fast and breathing so hard and so passionate and, you know, fire's coming out of me. And then he's like, Kathy! And maybe I don't hear him yelling my name, but I can hear this thing inside me like, ooh, ooh, too far. I press the envelope in my flesh. Y'all with me? I hope you're getting stirred up because... Every week, I look out and you all are here. You all are here. God's doing something in your heart, in your mind, and in your bodies. God has filled you with something that is a passion that you're the one containing it. You're the one who will release it. And so it's time to let his mind be in you. All the things that could have made Jesus not be optimistic. I mean, we all think, oh, Jesus had this huge ministry. Well, he had a lot of people coming. And then he he trained and he he went deeper and deeper because the father, he only said what the father told him to say. So he's going deeper and deeper and deeper and teaching further and further. And finally, they say to him, this stuff you say, that if, if we don't drink your blood and eat your flesh, like what's up with that? And they talked behind his back. And if you look at the ancient languages, they basically called him a cannibal. 
Cannibal. You're teaching cannibalism. He wasn't teaching cannibalism. He was of the Father. He was feeding them the bread of life. So everybody, all the group, the big group left. They were like, mm-mm, we're going to another church. I don't like what's been taught here. This is, mm-mm, this is too heavy. And so they leave. And so nobody's left but his disciples, you know, the ones he walked closest with. And he says to them, y'all going too? They said, no, where would we go? You have the words of life. They recognize. You know that as humans, they probably had to have the same thought thinking, eat his flesh and drink his blood. But they took a breath. I wore my breathe shirt. Come on, guys, breathe. Because Jesus is doing something in this house, in you, in the earth. He's doing some stuff. He's opening the eyes of our understanding to realize God has saved mankind to the uttermost. Is that the message the church is preaching? Jesus, and if you're newer here, um, some things I just read out of my notes because I feel like if I took dictation from the Holy Spirit, I ain't changing it. Um, And so I trust that, okay, he said this. I'm I'm not this good with words. Jesus fully embraced his humanity, and this is why the power of God in his life was such a testimony. I mean, I have more to that statement, but just think about that. That's why the power of God in his life was such a powerful testimony, because he didn't do the stuff as God. Jesus had to walk in faith. It didn't happen because he was God. It happened because he walked in faith. He wasn't resurrected because he was God. He was a human. He was subject to all the temptations as us. He had all the physical aspects like us. He did not do the miracles as God. He did them by faith and in the power of the Holy Spirit. He did them in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the baptism with the Holy Spirit is not some sort of a badge we put on our little Girl Scout or Boy Scout, you know, badge. What do you call it? Sash. It's for power. It's to literally fill us and over, overshadow that thought that we are mere men. Because human thinking says, I'm just human. I mean, how often do we say that? I'm just human. I'm just human. Hello. I mean, that's what God chose to put his life in. Do you get... I mean, when we say, some things we say, and we don't mean to be... Critical of ourselves or what, but, well, you know, we're just human. I say it. I bet I say it once a week, twice a week, maybe 50 times a day. Uh, I'm learning to say, okay, I need to stop saying just human because that was God's intent, that he would fill human beings. That was his intent from the beginning. Pastor Joan used to teach us in women's life. She would say, we are simply vessels to be filled. It was God's intention that he would fill us. But because of a choice made by a human, there were two kingdoms whose ruler would have the the right to fill. So man was made a man of two minds. We can still be, as born-again, spirit-filled believers, a man of two minds. If we allow a different mindset to be in us, this is why the exhortation from the writers of scripture is let the mind that was in Jesus. 
How are you going to find out the mind that was in Jesus? Are you just going to look at the laws? Don't just look at the law book. Talk to Jesus about what's in that book. Because he was baptized by an Old Testament prophet. He lived under Old Testament law, yet he went free and became the savior of the world. Do you realize that he could have made a choice just like Adam and Eve did? I mean, most people think, oh, no, he couldn't. Yes, he could have. Yes, he could have. But he always went back to the father. What are you saying to me? Because whatever you're saying to me is what you're wanting me to say outward. Please don't take this kind of discipline as heavy and a burden. You're built for this. Most of the time, the turmoil that we have inside and the burden we feel is because we don't walk in the simplicity of how we're built. We're built to be simply filled by truth. Go to the Bible. If you've never been intrigued by the Bible, go there with a different mind. Go with a different mindset. Go there thinking, this is the book that is going to change my whole life. Because Jesus is going to take these truths and speak to me in a language I can understand. You know, there are so many child's movies and stuff that, um, like The NeverEnding Story and... Um, that speak to the power of imagination, the power of letting a mindset. I mean, if you let a mindset of miracles um, come over you, you will actually operate in the anointing because we are anointed all the time. I'm sure there's somebody who would like to take me to scripture and show me where. And I, I mean, I've been places where people show me in scripture and, and they've got a doctrine they've built and no, we're not always anointed. You can walk in the anointing or not walk in the anointing. Yeah, you can. But that's very different than not carrying the anointing. If Christ lives in you, the anointing is in you. Because he's never not anointed. I mean, even that, we have to, I, I mean, I'm sitting right now, I just want to sit there a minute because... That's what's changing me too. I, I, want to, I don't want to just get up and teach you the same thing. I don't want to just teach you the doctrines of scripture. I want to encourage you to let Jesus teach you. How do you walk in the doctrines of Christ? How do you walk with the anointed one? How do you trust that you are... I mean, lay hands on believers. I remember... Um, I came out of the restroom at Fauquier Hospital one time. I can't remember why I was up there. I don't know, a test or a blood. I don't know, something. And um, I came out of the restroom on this one uh, hall on the main floor. And as I came out, this person came out of the um, restroom next to it. And I, and that thing, you know that thing like, you're going to pray for them. And I'm thinking, and this was, de- you know, a couple decades ago. And I was like, because, <sighs> I mean, they look like such a non-engaged person. Like, they didn't, they didn't even look at me. And so I, I followed him down the hall. And um, when I got close enough, I mean, he just looked like, you know. And so I said, this might seem really weird to you, but can I pray for you? And um, he said, yeah. And I said, can I put my hand on your shoulder? And then I sort of like got freaked inside, like, um, I don't, gosh, Jesus, I don't want to talk all scripture, scripture stuff, and he freaks out. So I just put my hand on him and spoke blessing. And, I mean, he's in the hospital, so I mean, like, duh. I mean, you know, there's got to be healing in there somewhere. So I walked away and didn't say the prayer I thought Jesus wanted me to say, but I touched the guy. So I went home, and Jesus says, go to Mark 16, 17. So I went there, and of course, you know, I, I know that scripture, you know, believers lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't pray, you know, a healing prayer. And he said, that doesn't say prayer, pray a healing prayer. So 
So I'm thinking, I'll never see the guy again. But you said, Jesus. See, Jesus also said again and again and again, only believe, only believe, only believe. See, we even make only believe difficult, don't we? Like, you know, I need to see, kind of like um, Philip, you know, I need to see the holes in his hands and in his side. I need to see the guy get healed. No, the Bible says believers lay hands and they will recover. So sometimes God is like, just touch somebody. I asked permission to put my hand on his shoulder. But think about this. Touch is crazy. I I was listening to a doctor on a podcast one time, way long time ago, and he was saying, he wasn't even talking about God, but he was saying, um, when humans care for one another and they touch with a loving touch, there's actually a recuperative, what it is, it's some sort of hormone or something that comes out of the brain? Oxytocin. So it starts a recovery. And I was like, Jesus, how brilliant is God that he says, loving touch heals. And then we take it like a law, like, and then we freak out because it's like, I should be out there laying hands on the sick and praying for the sick. And he said, you don't even have to say a big prayer. I mean, if you just get near somebody and just say, man, how you doing? I, you know, I'm just, I just, I'm trusting that you'll feel better than think, you know, and you release your faith. We always think faith released has to look like a church endeavor. Come on, man. Getting people, you know, to Jesus. It has to look like, I mean, I grew up in the Baptist church, so it had to look like evangelism as was defined for me. Well, evangelism is just proclaiming the good news. If you go to people and you tell them, Jesus loves you so much. I had a friend, and years ago she went over to England, and um, she got to meet um, uh, Queen Elizabeth, I think Queen Elizabeth and Prince Charles and all that. Anybody remember Nance? Yeah. Anyways, she said to God, what do you want me to say? He said, tell him I love him. <laughs> I love it. And so they're trained before they go to the receiving line. They're trained in protocol. 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 Shut your spirit right. Oh, shut up. And so um, she did what Jesus told her. And I'm sure, you know, their expression, she said, well, it looked a little dry. It looked a little, you know, oh, thank you. So we could think, well, they didn't get it. Really? The all-powerful, all-loving God of creation says, just tell him I love him. Talk about seeds. Do we believe in seeds? Do we believe in sowing? Do we believe in being liberated, being unafraid, unashamed, not always thinking it has to look like this or it has to look like that or I'm a church person, I need to do it correctly. So Jesus fully embraced his humanity. Jesus did not lean into human pressure to prove his identity and creativity. He's pretty creative. You know, we think in terms of our kind of creativity, but um, the dude made wine at a wedding. Um, He took mud and spit and healed a blind man. I mean, a woman only touched the hem of his garment, and she'd been hemorrhaging for years, and it dried up. Um, everybody thought a little girl was dead, and he he confesses, no, she's just sleeping. <laughs> and he put everybody out of the room that was acting kind of like, oh, I don't know. Like, just, just, anybody believe that she's, okay, cool, just us guys in the room. She sits up, and he says, get her some food. He was creative. 
what other creative things can you think that he did that were kind of oddly unhuman? I was thinking that one just a second ago, yeah. I mean, you know, the fish in loaves, walking on water. A man who was fully human. We love to say fully human and fully God. You've been recreated. (laughs) You've been recreated. How often does our humanity shut us up or shut us down? You know, I've got as many fingers pointing back to me because I'm in a place where I love the church. I love being the church. I'm just done with acting like a chair is my position. I'm done with shutting up my songs. I'm done with thinking evangelism is just nail it down, get a confession. No, some sow. Some reap. But the seeds of God never return void. Ever. Never. Ever. My stepfather, um, he was such a precious man. He was um, the grandfather that my kids knew. And um, he got a terminal lung disease, a very odd one, or or rare one. And um, he was the type, like... He loved me so much, but I would talk to him about, I had recently gotten baptized in the spirit when he, we found out that he had this disease. And um, so I was so on fire and I was just like, when that, when he got his diagnosis, I was like, no, 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 no. And in worship one, um, one Sunday, we were still out in Warrington then and in worship one Sunday, God spoke so clearly to me that I opened my eyes because it felt like it was, you know, audible. It wasn't nobody else. I mean, nobody else was looking when I opened my eyes. Um, But he said to me, Dick will be swept into the kingdom. Well, I thought that meant that he would be healed. He would get born again and he'd be healed and all that. So um, I just spoke to him and all through, you know, different things I would speak to him. And he was, at first he would say, you're so smart. How can you believe this? And heaven and hell is a bunch of yes and you're so intelligent. I just don't know how. And you're so dogmatic. Like, you really believe this. Well, then, as I, w- I remember one time I was sitting on his um, ottoman in front of his chair, and I just showed him a healing scripture. And he looked at it, and then he looked at me, and he looked deep in my eyes, and he said, you really believe this, don't you? I said, yeah, I do. I do. Well, I'd love to tell you that he got healed. He Well, he did, but not the way I wanted. Um, but about two weeks before... Um, he passed. Um, he was in the emergency room for you know another one of the breathing attacks, and my mom said to him, "Everything Kathy said to you, what are you going to do with Jesus now?" And he said, "I'm, I believe." You see, she didn't pray a sinner's prayer with him. She didn't. But then, when I was with him, about I don't know, half a day before he passed, I was sitting on the edge of his bed, singing in tongues and also singing worship song to him and he squeezed my hand opened his eyes and he said I want you to stop praying for me he said I'll be waiting for you in heaven that 
that blew out of the water my thoughts that there's anybody that can't, can't come to an understanding of Jesus. You know, Poppy never quoted the scriptures. Um, he never sung a song in church. Um, he had some crazy theology. But, you know, God looks for just a dot. He's kind of like a mouse. If he finds one tiny crack to get into a heart, he'll go in. And he saves. And so my precious stepfather is in heaven waiting. And um, that day when I was singing to him in tongues and I was singing this song, I don't know if some of you may know um, Carol Flack. She wrote a song called The Precious Blood. And I sang The Precious Blood over him for about two solid hours. The nurses came in and they said, what's going, what's going on in the room? Of course, I got quiet when they came in the room. And all of his numbers were rising. You know, I, was, I, I wanted that. I mean, afterwards, I said, God, you said Dick would be swept into the kingdom. And he said he was. He was. You know, I think for me, too, I would say to you, there's some things you're just not going to understand, some things that seem to militate against the power of God, the, the manifestations, whatever. Don't be deterred from trusting in the goodness of God, trusting in the movement of his spirit, trusting in his word as seed, his word as building material in you and in others. Um, it's, it's just so key. I want to see if there's anything else that... Um, Jesus simply lived in union with his Father, who happened to be the God of creation and power. Live in fellowship with God. Don't try and figure out, do you know enough to pray for that person? Just do what you feel he's calling you to do. Relationship and interaction with God continually affirms our identity. When we are stable and secure in who we are, then the expression of our authority is the act of dominion. Just begin to trust that God's doing things in you. Live free. Don't don't try so hard to, to impress God or other people or prove that you're Christian. Jesus didn't try to prove he was Christ. He just walked in his life with God. Philippians 2.10 says, The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. And as I pondered that verse preparing um, to speak to you all, I thought about even inside of us, the name of Jesus is so powerful, it causes knees in us to bow in reverence to his name. When he comes and says, you know, Kathy, you're not being kind here or loving, or I need you to just believe, just believe me. Just believe me. And I'm like, I'm trying. And he's like, don't try, just believe me. I said this. I said this is what's going to transpire. I mean, he said some things to me in the past couple of days, and I just, I just believe what was spoken to me. And so already I'm like, there, there is some sort of a limit that came off. There, there's something that came off, and I, I, don't, I didn't try to, for it to come off. He gave me words. And so apparently... In that area, he'd been giving some words, and finally it topped off and overflowed beyond the boundary. Uh, 
I'm going to close by reading from Colossians 1. Colossians 1, I'm starting at 15. How far down am I going to get? All the way. Let's go all the way. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. In all things he may have the preeminence. Let him have preeminence. Just let him have preeminence. He'll persuade you. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on the earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind, in your mind, in your mind, See, God never viewed us as enemies. Oh, my goodness. If you didn't get anything else tonight, please hear that. If God viewed us as an enemy, we'd never be anything else because he would call us that, and he never has. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless, and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith. Not to impress him, but just so that your mind won't go back to thinking you're his enemy. Um, Grounded and steadfast and are not moved. Don't be moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. See, go go to these words, because this is an apostolic father who's sowing toward us so that we'll go free from having our own picture of our own identity. I mean, Sometimes we think about, if you're anything like me, okay, how am I going to be the good Christian I'm supposed to be? No, lay it aside. Just live with Jesus. You'll be a good Christian. The ministry, to fulfill the word of God, the ministry which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Hello, saints. It's not just the Catholic Church that has saints. We're all saints. <laughs> Nothing against... Thank goodness they call some people saints. I mean, I grew up in a denomination that didn't call nobody a saint. Um, to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. 
There's volumes right there. So please let Jesus renew your mind and how you look at other humans. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Father, we honor you. We thank you for the work you're doing in us mightily, for what your word is doing. Father, even where we think we're not sure what you're doing, we don't have to understand it all. We simply walk with you, Jesus. We commune with you, Jesus. Even the communing with you, you're the one that shows us how to do that. And tonight, I believe, Father God, that you are are breaking things off our mindsets to think that we're unworthy, to be completely naked with you, to be completely open and unafraid and unashamed, and to ask questions like little children do, like how and why and when and and how can I do that? And, and why would that person get that privilege? And Father, I just thank you that every man and woman in this room literally goes to another place with you in their nerve to come face to face with you and to simply say, I believe. I thank you, Father, that even there was a disciple that said, Help my unbelief, Jesus. Some of the church has mocked that. And yet he had the nerve to say, I'm having trouble believing, Jesus. Help me with that. And we never can ask a question according to your will that you don't move right in, Father God. So I just thank you for simple, simple Holy Spirit-empowered belief in every person in this room. I thank you that they share you by sharing themselves that they quit thinking, how are we going to straighten this country out? How you're, We're just going to let you straighten us up, Jesus, and cause us to be unafraid. Fear makes some of our militancy operate. So I thank you that fear is annihilated tonight, Jesus, because you're here, and we have your spirit. And the word says, Father God has not given us a spirit of fear but a power and love and a very sound mind. Thank you that tonight, Father God, we recognize that a sound mind is sacred in your sight. So we receive the mindset of Christ. Now thank you, Jesus, that you speak to each one of us in different ways over the next hours and days and weeks. We honor you. We honor you, Father God. We thank you, Jesus. And precious Holy Spirit, we reverence you. We're going to let you teach us and comfort us and empower us. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Have a great week.